Welcome to Trial and Error. I'm Lawrence Newport. And I'm David Juritic. And before we dive in, it's just necessary to say, please don't use this as legal advice. So, uh, this week we're actually looking at more like a general, uh, a, a general theme, I think would be the way of describing it. Particularly about yes. philosophical beliefs. This is an area of law, uh, which we'll, we'll get into in a minute, but the kind of inspiration for this week is uh, my supervisor, my PhD supervisor, Justin Champion, unfortunately um, passed away a couple of weeks ago. And uh, David and I talked about it. Um, Justin's Justin Champion, his kind of area of research was on early modern thought and the history of early modern thought and with a particular kind of concentration and focus on religion and religious thought. So we kind of have a discussion about it and we thought how what could we do on the podcast, the kind of, uh, I don't know how quite to put it, um, commemorate, commemorate, commemorate. that's, a term. that's a term, yeah. So we're doing this in order to, uh, from our side and on the podcast kind of side to uh, commemorate Justin Champion. Uh, so we're going to look at a theme here and uh, Justin always had a good sense of humor. So we're going to look at kind of the the more religious aspects and then the the kind of the stranger aspects of this area of law. Uh, so we will cover quite a few cases here rather than a single case, but hopefully it should be quite fun and quite interesting, as indeed it always is. So, um, David, what in particular are we looking at here? What's 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 the theme? So the, the theme for today is um, how the courts have interpreted this idea of a philosophical belief within the context of equality law. So within equality law um, in the UK, um, there are things called protected characteristics. And these are things about an individual where typically it is unlawful for you to discriminate against somebody on one of these grounds. Now, the law is a bit more complex. There's there's lots of different ways that equality law operates. It's not always about discrimination. And it's not always about preventing you from doing certain things either. So, for example, the public sector equality duty uh, under the Equality Act merely requires a public authority like a local council to take into account a protected characteristic. And you can take it into account and then choose to do nothing special to accommodate that characteristic in, in that particular context of the public sector equality duty. But we're actually going to ignore all of the slightly more complex things about how equality law works in practice and zoom in on one specific aspect of it, which is how have the courts approached the definition of a philosophical belief? Because that is one of the protected characteristics you find under the Equality Act. It's made very clear in Section 10 of the Act um, that religion or philosophical belief um, are both um, protected characteristics. So we're interested really in how the courts have approached this idea of a philosophical belief. Of course, there's a long history about religious toleration. And I mean, in England alone, you couldn't practice openly, at least as a Catholic in terms of having your own churches and cathedrals until I think the early 1830s or mid 1830s. Um, you know, religious yeah. liberty, the the ability to practice your own religion, however you see fit, and to not, for example, to do with this statute, to not be fired or discriminated against in your workplace on the basis of your religion is something we now more or less expect. And this act makes that as clear as it possibly can, that it's, that it's, it's not acceptable to discriminate on those grounds. But uh, human history is, of course, filled with people being discriminated on the basis of their uh, religious beliefs. Now, as we'll obviously discuss, what defines religious belief becomes um, one aspect of this. But really, we are interested in this philosophical belief because as really we are interested in, in this philosophical belief, because as as people have become uh, en masse more atheistic, uh, there are still obviously foundational beliefs that people hold, and even if they, even if it wasn't just um, a largely atheistic society, you should still expect people who are religious to have other philosophical beliefs that they also could be discriminated on the basis of. So the courts have tried to understand what this means, because obviously philosophical belief can cover a hell of a lot of things depending on how you define that, and this is exactly what we're going to go through now. Yeah, it's certainly the theme because, um, it, as you mentioned, as it happens, most of the cases we're looking at today are about employment, uh, which is one of the big areas of equality law. But but it's not um, it's not only in that context where the Equality Act becomes important. Yeah, no. 
Yeah, particularly quite recently, um, you, people may have seen on the news um, people who say they are they are particularly um, ethically vegan, um, and or they believe in um, strongly in the effects of man made climate change. Um, these these are things which have counted as a philosophical belief. So it does tap into that kind of quite long history with a, I suppose if you want to if you want to be very historical about it, of radical English thought, right? Um <laughs> of, of of the dissenters and the levelers and the diggers um and, and all of those people. Um, which I read about a very long time ago, but you probably read about far more recently than me. They were a large part of my thesis, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, yes. which I'm um, currently editing. So, yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, so you can see kind of, it, it connects to that kind of historical sense of what are these these philosophical beliefs that people wish to discriminate against you for. And I should yeah. also yeah. say that some of the cases we're going to look at today are slightly funny. Um, um, the the, the, yeah. the chap who says that BBC values are an important philosophical belief um, being a particular highlight. Oh yeah, when you have something so so large, so broad as philosophical belief, a lot of people can claim a lot of beliefs as falling under that remit. So to give a kind of idea of there are there are five criteria that have to be met for something to count as a philosophical belief. This comes out of the case law, doesn't it? Um, some quite early case law, I think. Yeah, this is a case, um, this comes out of a case called Granger and Nicholson. It's a case from, uh, reported in 2010. It's a case from 2009 um, from the Upper Employment Tribunal. Just let me double check that. No, but yeah, it's from the Employment Appeal Tribunal. So already you're seeing that, that, that the influence of employment law in this area is quite large. In practice, this is... Um... I think most of the cases we cover today are are employment law uh, tribunals. Yes, it it does seem to be somewhere where that pops up quite a lot. So so in this case of Granger, which um, we'll come back to in more depth later, the the tribunal sets out five broad criteria as to what must be satisfied until it becomes a philosophical belief within the context of the Equality Act. One, it must be a genuinely held belief. Two, it must be a belief rather than an opinion or a viewpoint based on the present state of the information available. So that's an interesting thing. I think we'll get that's to hard. that. It's hard, right? It has to be that's a genuine hard. belief. It's not just a case of my opinion is that I yeah. don't want to fly for work because I'm worried about climate change. It has to be beyond that. It has to be a real kind of belief. Now, that's quite difficult when you're talking about something like climate change, which obviously has a scientific consensus behind it. Uh, it's not a really a matter of faith. Um, mm. But nonetheless, we'll, we'll get into this. Then there is this idea that this must relate to a weighty and substantial aspect of human life and behaviour. So it's not just uh, a trivial belief, if you like. And yeah. underlining that is the fourth point, which is it must attain a certain level of cogency, seriousness, cohesion, and importance. And you know you're into the realms of legal tests when the judge cracks out four words, which sort of mean the same thing, but don't quite. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I mean, it's it's pretty difficult. You know, not only are we trying to define here, is this belief genuinely held? Is it an actual belief and not an opinion? However, you divide those up. But you also have to start asking, is it a belief which is actually substantial? Some, how do you measure substantial to someone's life or to life in general? Well, it's whether it's cogent, serious, has some cohesion and importance. I mean, it's just all of these things, they, they sound like they help, but I don't really know if they do. <laughs> yeah, it, has to, it's, it has to be not just serious, but important, as opposed to one of those, you know, unimportant serious matters, those <laughs> not very serious, important points. Um, you know, I suppose those do exist, um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, I think they're a very small class of things, aren't they? Yeah, it's got to be cogent and coherent. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> All right. Uh, and then the fifth point is that uh, it must be worthy of respect in a democratic society and compatible with human dignity and the fundamental rights of others. So making this, it much easier. 
Yeah, but this <laughs> this at least helps us rule some things out, right? Yes. You know, I may believe that uh, I'm a vampire, uh, and I might genuinely think I'm a vampire. I might genuinely think that <laughs> it's a belief, genuine belief, I'm a vampire. That that's very weighty and substantial. I don't go out in the daytime. Um, <laughs> I've got all the cogency there. I've watched all of what we do in the shadows. I, I know all about vampires. I used to have all of Buffy on VHS. Uh, you know, I really strongly believe I'm a vampire. I'm terrified of being slain. Um, but but clearly, my view that I'm a vampire, if we take it to as a logical conclusion, in that I like to kill people and drink their blood, is not compatible with human dignity and the fundamental rights of others. Unless, of course, arguably, <laughs> and I think this is a key point actually. Unless I have been cursed um, to mm. have a soul, uh, in which case, of course, as 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 we all know, I will spend hundreds of years drinking uh, rat blood. Um, until that curse is lifted. Um, and then I will wreak havoc for three to four episodes uh, prior to having the curse back uh, and then moving to uh, Los Angeles. I, I think, you know, I think vampires now, they just kind of sparkle, don't they, mostly? Oh, I've not seen any of those. Oh, have you not? Um, no, not at all. I know nothing of the sparkly vampire. Um, yeah, actually, I yeah. think I've seen the second sparkly vampire. I've seen the one with the wealth. And I think yeah. that, was, that was enough for me. Yeah, um, Sparkly Vampire 2, yeah. yeah. Something tells me we've gone off track. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's fine. But not, not entirely, given some of these cases. Not entirely. Exactly, yes. No, I think that's a very helpful analogy. Um, <laughs> so our first couple of cases, we thought, you know, let's, let's work our way outwards from kind of more classic cases and then kind of go and see how far this kind of philosophical belief goes. So our kind of like really central cases are cases that are, are quite... Uh, close to religious or quite clearly religious beliefs. So one of those is um, the Great Manchester Police Authority, uh, and, and the the other party is Power. Is that it's right? Power. Yes, he has the power, uh, yeah. which is very apt in this case because it's about spiritualism. Um, so so this is from the uh, Employment Appeal Tribunal. This uh, the case. The full case is Greater Manchester Police Authority and Mr A Power. They have such catchy names oh, in yeah. cases, don't they? Very much. Um, so what is this case about? What, what, what's fascinating here is that Mr. Power is really claiming two things. He's claiming both that he has a protected religious belief and that he has a protected philosophical belief. And it reflects the fact that those two things within law might actually run together. Um, and I think many people who who are religious may well recognise that uh, that that kind of um, connection between the, the religious belief and then the philosophical sides on it. So essentially, Mr. Power uh, is, is claiming he's been unfairly dismissed. That's kind of broadly what's happening uh, on the basis of his philosophical belief and his religion, if you like. He is an adherent to the spiritualist church. Uh, he regularly attends the spiritualist church. And as part of that, he says, I have a particular philosophical belief, which is the belief in psychics um, and, and the importance of psychics and of spirituality and of the sense of, of life after death and of the spirit, as he puts it, the motivating energy that animates living things survives physical death. Which is actually a great quote. It yeah. feels like a very almost religious spiritual spiritualism quote, you know, directly. I mean, I don't know if you've taken it from a source or or not, but it's 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 a great summary of a belief, right? Yes, and that's his own words. That's the claimant's words in this case. So clearly, um, that that is a reflection of their, their particular views. But what's what's interesting then is that this is is not really dealt with so much on the religious point, because this is a certainly in the year of 2010, uh, this was um, the eighth largest faith group in Britain. There was no argument that this guy wasn't religious, yeah. but it's specifically the philosophical element of his belief that was the problem here, because he was dismissed as a trainer for special constables due to his work in the psychic field. Ah. Oh. <laughs> so so 
you know, he is saying that there's unfair dismissal and, and the court's dealing with it. And so is the claimant here in the context of philosophical belief. So the question is, look, is the belief in psychics actually a philosophical belief or not? Which is actually a really difficult separation. I know you you were saying earlier that you can see the difference between uh, potentially a religious belief and a, and a philosophical one. Even if you are religious, you can say, oh, here are my kind of central tenets of my religion. Here are the philosophical beliefs that go alongside it. But I do think that there is an extent to which that there are quite a few cases where that's a separation without a good cause. Even I think it maybe helps again, kind of helps the legal matter of trying to separate these out, but um, it doesn't necessarily kind of reflect what people themselves would say which yeah. I think is almost what's happening here, because he's certainly saying, no, 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 it, it, it's, it's something I, I believe in, like, religiously. And the court here is kind of separating these out and saying, well, no, actually, you know, your, your, your spiritual beliefs, your religious beliefs are one thing, but then your, your belief in, in the power of, of uh, psychic communication is different to that. And it's, it's, it's kind of more akin to a world claim of some kind. Yeah, I, I think as well there's, there's uh, this point that... They aren't, he's not been dismissed because he is religious. He's been dismissed partly because his very particular philosophical beliefs are, uh, in the view of the police force, uh, interfering, if you like, with his job. <laughs> you can see um, how that could happen, right? <laughs> you could see yeah, how that could happen. You know, I mean, it sounds as if, at least in the way it's presented in the judgments, um, they've got a point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, just going on the way in which it's presented in, in, in the judgment. So you you can see here a kind of separation between spiritualism uh, or rather religion and the the more kind of philosophical, maybe the way the court is treating it, a philosophical belief that is separate to that and interferes directly with the work someone is doing. In this case, uh, working for the police, believing in psychic powers. If those psychic powers are being uh, claimed to be being used by you in the course of your work, that can be obviously very difficult. Yes, uh, uh, absolutely. Um, and so that kind of gets into the kind of more employment law side of it. I think for our purposes, this is a really good case because this is kind of a philosophical belief that, that he has partly due to his adherence to this church. And it is one that is that is worthy of kind of protection. We're told here that there is no suggestion that the claimant does not genuinely believe in the tenets of the faith. So that's one of those first tests. Uh, we're told as well, this is a test which is worthy of respect in a democratic society and that it has a cogency, seriousness, cohesion and importance to satisfy the test that I set out in the Granger case. So you've got the sense that although to, to you, to the police, to whoever, that seems like a strange belief to have, for some people it won't be a strange belief, of course, it is a genuine philosophical belief. And he cannot be discriminated unjustifiably uh, against on, on the basis of that belief. And yep. it really does show how religion and philosophy run together in the law. Partly it depends on how the case is presented to the judge. But you see very similar language used when we're talking about religious beliefs, particularly in the European Court of Human Rights. But quite often the European Court of Human Rights is asked to determine whether things that might seem a little bit outlandish or a little bit unusual, I suppose, non-mainstream religious beliefs, whether these count as religious beliefs. And a very similar test is applied. We're looking at the cogency, the seriousness, the weightiness of this belief, uh, how it affects the individual's um, particular uh, life. And so the European Court of Human Rights, for instance, has ruled in various cases that Druidism uh, is a religion worthy of protection under the convention, as is Scientology, as is the divine light Zentrum. You know, in fact, many things uh, can count as religion. And I believe one of the, was it a European case where a man who considers himself to be King Arthur and genuinely believes uh, in uh, Druidism, but also as himself, I think it's the reincarnation of uh, King Arthur. Uh, what's it about? Car park fees and Stonehenge? It's Wasn't to that do that... with the summer solstice. So this this pops. There's a few cases like this. So um, Pendragon, uh, this case from 1998, Pendragon in the United Kingdom from the European Court of Human Rights. Uh, that's reported as 1999 27 EHRRCD 179. 
This case uh, is, is about the Druids, who had been long recognised as a religion by the court. But the clash here is about whether the restrictions on their assembly um, near the uh, near, near Stonehenge during the summer solstice, whether the restrictions were incompatible with their rights to um, express their religious beliefs. That's a kind of a slightly different different issue. Um, yeah. This is when English heritage for quite a long time closed Stonehenge during the summer solstice and whether that was an, an, an illegitimate infringement with his uh, right and the rights of other Druids to reflect their, their, their exercise, their religious beliefs. And you could see that you could almost think about this philosophically as well. It's just that this case was purely about religion. As you say, this, this shows that religious beliefs can be a very broad spectrum, uh, as we kind of know ourselves, but also the courts reflect that in their own practice and this this is things where people can't be discriminated for for beliefs in obviously being a, a catholic or islamic but also similarly if you're a druid or if you believe in more kind of new age spiritualism but attendant beliefs to that some other kind of aspects of those beliefs might be more the courts might treat as more philosophical beliefs and those might then potentially be more difficult if they interrupt with your work in some way yeah, I think particularly if you start to enter the region of, well, certain religions may have um, one kind of central belief to them, but then there may be different ways in which that is practiced that might fall into different philosophical schools. So Buddhism might yeah. be an example of that, you know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a quite good way of saying it. You know. So we have, we have here a kind of, as you're saying, we have a, a somewhat separation here between kind of religion and spiritualism and then the kind of attendant philosophical schools of that. But you, you can, the courts have taken this or had to take it because there's been multiple cases around this somewhat further and, and, and discuss cases that are kind of further away from religion and more into kind of more philosophical beliefs. Uh, these involve kind of, we've kind of grouped them slightly here as a lifestyle, moral beliefs. Uh, this is what the Granger case falls under, mm. uh, which um, I don't actually, I can't remember the, the full title of the Granger case. Uh, it's Granger, PLC and Nicholson. And this is, again, from the Employment Appeal Tribunal. Um, and so the appeal number for this, if you're interested, uh, UKEAT slash 0219 slash 09 slash ZT. There will be from... a test at the end. Yes. <laughs> and this will be from 2009. Uh, this will be from 2009. Very much is from 2009. <laughs> <laughs> I am Doctor Who. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Um I am Doctor Who. No, I am the Doctor. That's crying out loud. How did I make that? That's an elementary mistake. I once wrote an article about Doctor Who and constitutional law, and I can't even say the Doctor's name properly. <laughs> Which I thought was great. Right. What am I talking about? I'm talking to you about Granger and Nicholson. So this case, this is what the claimant said their belief was. The claimant said, I have a strongly held philosophical belief about climate change and the environment. I believe we must urgently cut carbon emissions to avoid catastrophic climate change. It is not merely an opinion, but a philosophical belief which affects how I live my life, including my choice of home, how I travel, what I buy, what I eat and drink, what I do with my waste and my hopes and my fears. For example, I no longer travel by airplane, I eco-renovate my home, I try to buy local produce, etc, etc. Yeah. Here, Mr Nicholson is claiming that that's the philosophical belief. And you can see here that unlike those religion cases, this is not religious. This is a totally different way of thinking and looking at the world, which is not religious. There is no deity here. This is very much uh, a, a man who is very clear that he has a very serious, cogent, weighty philosophical belief that affects his life in a very serious way. And he says, this is the thing which I've been discriminated against on the basis of, and that should not have happened. Yeah. Already this becomes very difficult because, as you said earlier, this has a, a link to science. It, it is about a kind of uh, facts of the world. But at the same time, you can see how, how it can be more than just that to someone. It it can be an entire life philosophy. And in fact, for many, many people, I think that this is actually a, a defining life philosophy for them, a concern around climate change. It, and, and it will affect every aspect of their life. 
Yeah. And what's really interesting, that science point, because you might think, well, hang on a minute, this uh, is meant to be a belief rather than a perspective. Um, and, you know, if this is based on scientific uh, consensus, but actually, is it really a belief? Is this actually just a perspective on the world? And there's yeah. some really interesting argument in this case about that, which recenters that whole question. So, so council suggests, well, look, hang on a minute. There's the scientific side of this, but then there is the ethical side of this. Mm. And the ethical side of this is about outlining moral obligations in the face of environmental concerns. And that is what's going on. He's, he has a philosophical belief here because he believes that the correct way to respond to the science is to do X, Y and Z. That's actually very, very interesting because there is a big difference between knowing something and doing something about it and not just doing something about it uh, occasionally, but doing something about it as an entire lifestyle. There really is a difference in that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean that... facts are neutral, but but the way you respond to them is, of course, not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, facts are neutral. I hear my postmodernist friends tweeting at me. Uh, <laughs> I thought the same thing when I said it. <laughs> facts may or may not be neutral. Don't at us. Um, <laughs> they can at me. It's okay. <laughs> at Lawrence. Everybody at Lawrence. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, I think, yeah, this, this case is, is really interesting because it gives you that kind of sense here of, of what it is that makes uh, a philosophical belief. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and certainly if you think through these things, um, it's a belief, it's weighty, it's cogent, it's worthy of respect. Uh, it's not something that conflicts with the fundamental rights of others. You know, this guy isn't trying to force other people not to fly. He's not trying to make other people shop local, which, of course, we all ought to do. Um, but, you know, he is saying, this is how I live my life. Uh, yeah. and, and he feels that he has been discriminated against at work on that basis. So what actually happens here? What happens to him? Is, does it, is, is it a belief that's protected? Um, the, the belief is protected. Wow. Um, it, it, is, it is indeed protected. It, it, it counts as a philosophical belief. In terms of what had happened, it, it's not that clear in the judgment, actually, because I'm reading the appeal judgment here. Yeah. It, it, it's not that clear exactly what happened to him, but he, he have been made redundant. And he argues that that decision was motivated partly by his philosophical beliefs. But a belief in climate change so far as it uh, changes your, you, or rather your response to climate change if it's a lifestyle response, if it shows that it's cogent and serious and genuinely held as a as a as a life philosophy, is actually a philosophical belief that's protected under uh, the Equality Act. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that's what really helps um, him in this case. Um, now, it's not that it may well be that you could have that belief and do nothing. And that also is worthy of protection. But I think in this case, what is interesting is they've really um, quite nicely, um, and that submission uh, made by um, uh, by his counsel, Dinah Rose QC, who's actually a very well-known lawyer. You know, it's, it's a really good one that, that really helps to clarify what makes a philosophical belief particularly worthy. And we've got a really good similar example that's much more recent about ethical veganism. Yes, I was going to say. Which is a case uh, involving the League of Cruel Sports. So this, this is quite a recent one that's been uh, reported very recently. And I've forgotten its name. So it's Costa and the League Against Cruel Sports. Yeah. And I think it's 2020. Yeah, it's, it's really, really, it's super recent. And, and it's only a preliminary hearing, I believe, we have in front of us about whether or not ethical veganism falls under philosophical belief. Yeah, so so this case, um, it, it's a very recent case, and we're going to pronounce this guy's name wrong, yeah. Kastamatanja. 
and the League Against Cruel Sports is the name of this case. Um, his, uh, he's given here as Castamatanja Costa. And this is a, it's a very recent case from the um, Employment Tribunal. And so the citation is 2020 UKET 3331129-2018. And much like Nicholson, here we're looking at a, a response to a, a, a clear philosophical belief. So this claimant is a zoologist, and he became a vegan in 2000 and transitioned to a 100% vegan diet. Very soon as well, wasn't it? It, he, it was only over a matter of months. Just He didn't go through, and they made a point of this in the judgment, he didn't go through being a vegetarian first, he went straight to veganism. Yeah, exactly, straight to veganism. Which I think is quite interesting because... I am cutting down my meat consumption quite dramatically, but that that doesn't. That's not. I don't have a philosophical belief behind that. I just think that I should, yeah, um, for yeah. a variety of reasons, which are global um, and you know smaller scale yeah. in nature. But but here, this is a real belief that he is saying that he has. So from the year two thousand, he was a, a vegan, and he was a particularly, if you like, strong vegan. We're told that this is it's an ethical vegan. This is some of the things that he does. It says that veganism dictates the choices from the products and services that he consumes. He has a 100% vegan diamond diet. Um, and if he's unsure of the content of food products, he avoids them. No products of any animal product doesn't consume any, will not allow non-vegan food to be brought in to another person. When he's staying at hotels, he always contacts them in advance to say, I'm vegan. He won't go to zoos. Uh, I mean, that's one of the more trivial things on this list. (laughs) But what the, the point is, it's very clear that everything about this guy's belief system and his life, so we're told a bit more about his life, he shampoos with vegan friendly shampoos and soap, only uses an electric shaver and trimmer powered by um, renewable vegan-friendly electricity by, by a company called Ecotricity. Wow. Uh, his clothes are made of sympathetic fibres. He takes a B12 supplement. All of that stuff, wow. right? So the point is that this guy is not for health reasons, but for ethical reasons, has really committed himself to this very vegan lifestyle. Yeah. I love I love the part of the judgment, by the way, in the, in, the, in the beginning part where the judge talks about the materials that he's had to read for this as well, because he hasn't just taken uh, witness statements. He says, um, on uh, 2nd January 2020, I have had the benefit of reading some 1,239 pages contained in a bundle of documents, which provides some details as to how philosophical veganism is defined, the history of it, and how that has a major impact on the claimant's daily life. So these are just the headings. You know, there was a 1,200 page document outlining all of the ways in which this is not only part of his life, but also the the cogency and seriousness of the philosophy. Hmm, uh, absolutely. I imagine a rip-roaring read. <laughs> No, I mean, it sounds great. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, if you look at this judgment, the absolute depth to this man's beliefs really stand out. Very apparent. You know, as it's I said, very apparent, isn't it? Very apparent. You know, this this isn't me who's like, oh, right, okay, I try to, I, you know, I, I try to eat little meat and I try to be vegan where that's reasonable, but ultimately I do still have a lot of eggs in the house, um, <laughs> you know, and... And I did have fish yesterday. Oh yeah, this um, is serious. This is a serious. This is very serious. This isn't someone. This isn't someone who's trying to eat more healthily. No, no. This is this, this is a this is an all-encompassing life choice. I mean, I know a lot of vegans, and I know some that you know are taken incredibly seriously, and they don't take it as seriously as this guy takes it. You know, this is a serious, serious, foundational, fundamental part of his person. I'd say now. Yeah, absolutely, and. And again, in terms of other dietary requirements, you know, there's a point made in this judgment that, that uh, particularly religions such as Jainism are, are very 
related to 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 with, with veganism and so you can see again potentially that's not the case here but potentially you could see this being a bit religious a bit yeah. philosophical yeah. and it's just the depth of that that that's important it's not the subject matter yeah. you know i think that's the thing cases like climate change or places like veganism they're things that you might exaggerate right you might be like oh you know you might have that response <laughs> to these cases <laughs> but um but why? Like, if you look at them, what you're doing here is you're saying, look, this is a protector characteristic. It doesn't mean he's going to win his case. No. But it does mean that his beliefs are philosophical beliefs that are worthy of due consideration. Yeah, like like these these are obviously genuinely held. Their beliefs, they're not... I mean, he has opinions, obviously, about the world, uh, maybe about suffering animals, things like that. But these are belief systems they 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 obviously have a substantial impact on not only the world but himself like you know they match the definition and actually i think that this one is it it sounds strange but i think when you when you just dig a little bit it seems like a genuine life philosophy which i think is strict enough that i think a lot of religious people would look at it and say wow you know he's he, he's he's acting in in a way which we could see as almost religious you know there is a real uh, strictness and uh, several tenants around what he does and I think that's exactly why uh, in this case veganism at least in the way that he was practicing it certainly is a philosophical belief as you say we don't know if that's necessarily going to change the outcome of his tribunal whatever that is around but we know at least from this that uh, ethical veganism is actually considered by the courts to be at least in this way a philosophical belief uh, ab absolutely but it's kind of it does move on quite nicely to look at some other kind of areas where beliefs might be part of uh what you're doing but whether they're philosophical beliefs or not is another question and i think politics is a really good example here to think about cases where someone said look my my political party my adherence to that party forms part of my philosophical beliefs or you can't discriminate against me on that ground and that my political views are philosophical views as well. Well, you can see how, how this, this happens because you have not only the case here where we have climate change, which is about facts, but it's about how somebody wants to take those facts into their own life and ethical veganism, where it's not a religious belief at all, but it, it has kind of similar elements of that because it's about how it affects your, your life, how serious you hold it. Well, for many people... Politics isn't just who you vote for every few years, um, or even every few months if you're <laughs> if you're now in England, um, or rather if you're now in the UK. I, I think it's it's a natural growth almost of this area to then ask, well, what about political beliefs? Because there are certain people who define themselves and live their life through very political principles, who they would nonetheless say, yes, it's not just about politics, though. This is something more. It's about who I am. I think that's something you can see that sort of distinction coming through. And what's interesting is sometimes the courts are like, well, OK, I, I could see how your strong belief in X could be a philosophical belief. But but you're claiming that it's because of your political party affiliation, which is not necessarily the same thing. It comes back into that kind of is it sufficiently weighty to you? So there's a particular case, um, which I find has a great series of names in it anyway. Uh, <laughs> the case is Bags and Fudge, and the judge is Mr. Tickle. <laughs> Bags and Fudge, and the judge Just is Mr. It. Tickle. Amazing. I mean, that's, that, to be fair, that's the only thing uh, that, that I love about this case. About the claimant, I should be very clear, yeah. about the claimant. Uh, well behind Mr. Tickle, uh, well behind um, the people that refused him a job interview because he is a member, was a member. This is the case from 2005. I don't know what he's doing now. He, whatever. But he was a member of the British National Party and he was refused a job interview on that basis. And so this case, Bags and Fudge, <laughs> Bags, Fudge, <laughs> it's just, too many. It's an, it's an um, excellent case name. It's excellent. Um, so this is from the Employment Tribunal. And it's just an interesting example, really, of this. So, so the claimant, uh, the claimant who I, who I think is Bags, he is saying, you discriminated against me because I'm in the BNP, uh, which the doctor who was employing him in the doctor's surgery said, yes, that's, that's true. It is common ground that he was turned down because of his membership of the BNP. And 
We are pointed out then that um, in the view of the judge here, well, if you've not been refused this job because of your philosophical beliefs at all, mate, it's because you're in the BNP. And that's why, and it's sufficient for the claim to fail at that point. But he says, I'm still going to think about the philosophical aspect of this. Can it be that the British National Party belonging to that party can constitute a political belief? A, ph- a philosophical belief, sorry. Philosophical yep. beliefs. And the philosoph- philosophical belief here very much being racism um, and the fact that the BNP restricts its membership on ethnic grounds. The party's constitution at the time made clear that, and it may have changed for all I know, but in 2005 it said it's restricted to certain ethnic groups. You know what the BNP are. We all know what they are. Is that a political belief or a philosophical belief? And that that's kind of quite interesting. Yeah. And the view of the judge here is that, no, actually, the BNP is not a religion. <laughs> it's not a set of philosophical beliefs. Yeah. It is simply a political party. It has political ends. It fields candidates in elections. And he says, look, that may not be, it may be a, a different kind of party, but it's a political party. It's not, as he says, a religious organisation or one that subscribes to particular religious or philosophical beliefs. So there's a distinction here between the political party and potentially any philosophy within it. If you think about the ethical veganism cases, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, I, I don't know, right? But it's likely that if you are an ethical vegan, to let's just say for the sake of argument that we're talking about somebody else, person X is a member of the Green Party and is a vegan. Now, you don't have to be vegan to join the Green Party, for one thing. Mm. Membership of that party is the political party. That's not your philosophical belief. Your philosophical belief is going to be in the veganism, and that's what's protected, not your membership of the party. And we're seeing that here. And there are some other cases where, for example, a strong belief in Scottish independence is a philosophical belief. But membership of the Scottish Nationalist Party is not that is a political one. So the courts try to distinguish between the political and the philosophical here, even though often, and this case of Bags and Fudge is interesting because you can say, well, hang on, surely the BNP's whole thing is a philosophical belief, right? It's a pretty nasty philosophical belief. It's white supremacy, but nonetheless, that's their philosophical belief. Now, if, if it was a philosophical belief, but let's be clear, on that Granger criteria the final one is that you can't if, it, if it's a belief that conflicts with the fundamental rights of others which clearly this would yeah, exactly. it's not a philosophical belief yeah. either so it would fail at that point it doesn't really help um overall but i think it's an interesting question about whether or not it is uh, a philosophical belief because i mean obviously f- philosophies can be not only um you know immoral but they can also be wrong but um it's an interesting question whether or not they are philosophical beliefs. And I think there is an extent to which it is. I mean, but still in law, it it, it wouldn't succeed um, because of that fifth criteria, which it just couldn't meet. You know, you you can't you can't have a belief in in essentially all the white membership of your of your group or your philosophy and claim that that's not uh, impinging on the fundamental right of others, etc. Yeah, it, yeah, it just obviously does. Yeah. You know. So you've got those examples, right? So membership of the Green Party, that's a political belief, not a philosophical one, but veganism is, and it's a harmless one too. Membership of the BNP, not a philosophical belief. Um, Adherence to their philosophy is also not a philosophical belief because it fails that final point. It would do um, in most circumstances. Or membership of the scottish nationalist party is not a philosophical belief but a belief in scottish independence is a philosophical belief what happens if it really does happen that there's like a total overlap a total overlap between these these two things what then and so there's an interesting example of a case Olivia and Department of Work and Pensions, which is about a belief in democratic socialism and whether a belief in democratic socialism is a philosophical belief. And what's very interesting here, we're clarified here. Well, I just said the Employment Peer Tribunal says that a belief in the political philosophy or doctrine underpinning your membership of that political party 
may well amount to a philosophical belief. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, I guess there's uh, an analogy to, for example, if you're in the US and you are an evangelical Christian, many of them side with the Republican Party quite frequently, if not every election, because the Republican Party is uh, principally against uh, abortion, for example, and many evangelical Christians are opposed to abortion. And so you can see, well, in this case, their their religion is really driving their politics and it might actually kind of pair you closely um, with a particular political set of beliefs, but that's because you have a very underlying religious belief. You have it here with conservative Christians. Similarly, if you are uh, somebody who believes in democratic socialism, Olivier, I think, is very close with the Labour Party, I think he's a councillor of the he's Labour, Labour Party. Very, he's very close in the sense that he is an elected member of the... Precisely, the, yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. He's, he's, he's in the party. He represents the party. Uh, but the reason he does so is because of his belief in democratic uh, socialism, which whether or not the Labour Party represents exactly that or not, depending because it's, you know, it's a very broad church party. But you can see here that his reasons for being a part of the party are because of an, a, a particular philosophical belief that he has, regardless really of um, he's not he, he's not driven by the party as much as he's driven by his philosophy and thereby joins that party. Absolutely. And, and again, like with the climate change case, this is clearly driving him to do certain things. And you, you, it, they just happen to overlap the philosophical belief here, um, as with our theoretical example of a Green Party member who was vegan. You know, it, it's, it's weighty, it's cogent, it's serious, it's honestly held, it doesn't interfere with the rights of others. Um, you know, this guy's an elected councillor. Um, his particular beliefs and the way he goes about them, you know, they're regulated very differently as as, a, as an elected person. They, there is the whole body of admin law which uh, he is regulated by. But it's, it's very much, you know, I'm sure people will kick off, but I, I, I'm sure that we can all reasonably see there's a difference between being saying, I believe in democratic socialism um, and saying, I believe in the superiority of the white race, right? Those are two different things. Yeah. Um, one of them is deeply offensive. The other is obviously far less offensive, not offensive. So the Olivier case and the Bags and Fudge case and cases around the SNP, etc., they kind of show us that there's uh, aspects of political beliefs may or may not be uh, protected based upon whether or not they're a philosophical belief underlying your kind of political beliefs or attached to those political beliefs in some way. Um, we can see that, you know, there's lifestyle and moral beliefs like ethical veganism and the kind of more kind of classic spiritualism, religious stuff. But how far does this go? How how much further can we take or how much further have the courts taken or been asked to take philosophical belief? I mean, really, so long as it fits those criteria, um, they're willing to entertain many things as being philosophical beliefs. So I'll give you some examples. Um, in a case called Hawkins and Universal Utilities, the claimant's belief was that it is wrong to lie under any circumstances. Wow. And this clearly affected a great deal uh, of, of, of what they did. And this was a philosophical belief. That was capable of being a philosophical belief. Similarly, um, you see a uh, case of Maestri and BBC. This is a belief, and this is great. This is a belief that public service broadcasting has the higher purpose of promoting cultural interchange and social cohesion. That is BBC values, if you like. The, the philosophical belief in the importance of public service broadcasting was a philosophical belief worthy of protection. Now, as I said, whether or not these people go on to win their cases is beside the point. The point is that they get that first stage done. It's fascinating because in in the in the BBC kind of values case, someone is claiming that they're being uh, potentially removed from their job because of, in fact, they were removed their job, but they're claiming that it's because they're of their belief in BBC values. And there was a long discussion about whether or not BBC values are count as a philosophical belief in some way which was eventually the court kind of separated between well actually the 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 claimant's belief is more particularly around uh, or also not just bbc values but the kind of an extra belief in the the principle of public service broadcasting 
which is just it, it's a very interesting kind of strange separation that they've gone for there between kind of BBC values and public broadcasting being somewhat separate. But nevertheless, you can see here that that was a philosophical belief. The belief in public broadcasting could be one if it's genuinely held um, and it's serious, etc. This is this is a protected potential philosophical belief, which I think people would be really surprised at. You know, to think that 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 belief could count as a philosophical belief protected by law. I think that's the fascinating thing because this is not the same as religion. No, right? exactly. This is a totally different concept. This is about a worldview, if you like. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, that that's what this is about. And the point you make there about seriousness is really vital because there are some other cases where the courts have just said, "Look, that is not a. I mean, you may believe it, and that's fine. Well done, you. But you have to demonstrate to us that that is a serious." cogent belief that really goes to the root, the heart of a weighty and substantial aspect of human life and behaviour. So, for instance, there's a case about poppies, because of course there is. Yeah, poppy wearing, like um, right, for um, Remembrance Day. Yeah, yeah, specifically from the 2nd of November up to Remembrance Day. Yes. So, the claimant in this case, claimant is that the case is Lisk and Shield Guardian Company Limited. They believe that people ought to pay their respects by wearing a poppy from the 2nd of November to Remembrance Day. Now, that's obviously a belief, right? That's obviously a position that person has taken, um, I dare say, in you know, very good faith. And yeah, fine, right? Yep. But they said, actually, that was not a serious enough belief, particularly because it could not fairly be described as relating to a weighty and substantial aspect of human life and behaviour. You're talking about wearing a poppy for a week. That is not something, if you compare that to our ethical vegan or to our climate change belief or to our democratic socialists, you can see that that's very different. That's not a worldview. That's how you think we should pay our respects during that particular week. Yeah. That is not uh, a weighty and substantial aspect of life and behaviour. And, and, and similarly, there has to be a certain logic. That's why I think the guy who believes he can't lie is brilliant, because I just have this picture of someone very logically sticking to that. You can see how that really can colour everything that you do. Oh, I mean, it makes a huge difference because it depends how far you take it. I, you know, I was... I once played a character in a tabletop game where my character was that I, I, I couldn't lie. And you very quickly realize that so much of life depends on how you define lying because to misrepresent or to not say something, is that lying? Is, are omissions to be treated the same as positives? Like it's, it's huge. It's absolutely huge if you just decide not to lie at all because you have to start deciding what the definition of lie is uh, and how far you can take that. That would be an absolutely huge philosophical commitment and a lifestyle commitment in a way which, as you say, wearing a poppy just simply is not. Yeah, quite. So there is this particular case that kind of, you know, shows the the logic and coherence required uh, is uh, a case about a belief that 9-11 and 7-7 are false flag operations. Wow. perpetrated by the government, that the media is controlled by a global elite seeking to further a new world order. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'll, obviously, of course, um, I mean, who isn't trying to further a new world order? Um, <laughs> you know, if, play, if playing all the Deus Ex games has taught me nothing, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they're documentaries, <laughs> it's that I, I'm going to turn my arm into a rocket launcher um, and fight <laughs> that new world order. <laughs> in the futuristic streets of Hong Kong. But one of the points the Tribunal makes here is that this is obviously slightly, you know, mad, right? yeah. if I can use that word. And they say, look, there is no coherence here. There is no standard of coherence or cohesion. This is clearly a load of nonsense. This is a conspiracy theory. It's totally ridiculous. That's not a philosophical belief. You might believe it, and that's lovely, but it's not a philosophical belief. It is nothing like as well thought through, serious and substantial as the other cases we've been looking at. And something else to point out is we've mentioned this a few times now, this idea that, look, you can't have a belief that infringes the rights on others. And just in case anybody was so minded, 
I can confirm that yes, the Deployment Tribunal has held that extreme Marxist or Trotskyist beliefs, which involve a uh, unlawful industrial action or which involve a world uh, revolution, are not capable, um, if they are particularly extreme, of being a philosophical belief, much like our, our BNP member, right? So you know. Both sides of the spectrum get covered there. It's not yeah, that's just actually, a, that's actually know, a really good and, point to raise. I, I feel that I'm covering myself here from like imaginary people on the internet. No, no, but, but it, nonetheless, I think it's an important point, right? It is, it is important because, like, something which I was um, considering about earlier was mentioning things like conspiracy theories, mentioning things like this, trying to split between what is a political or a philosophical belief. These are actually political, religious. Uh, social kind of questions as well and the law is being asked to try to define them in some way and define which ones are to be protected and which ones aren't so it's actually very important as well to kind of highlight you know they are a, a, applying this as much as they can to kind of both sides of of the political spectrum as evenly as they can i mean th this does cause a lot of quite a few problems i'm sure defining cogency and cohesion you know and cohesion and things like that is difficult because they're also kind of you know they're they're positive phrases to say oh you you have a cogent belief is in in kind of normal kind of english if not a compliment then it's certainly not anything negative but you can see saying you lack coherence or cohesion to be a negative so you can see that there's easily people can become oh judges are dismissing you know, disbelief, even though I really believe in it. And they say it's not coherent, but what do they know? And these are very difficult decisions to have to be asked to be made, but nevertheless, the courts yeah. have to make them. So I think it is an important one to say, you know, they, they are doing this and they are trying to be as even-handed as they can. Absolutely. And I think we've seen kind of this discussion how difficult some of these cases are. But I think as well, they're, they're very interesting cases. Oh, they're great. And um, so, you know... It's a nice parlor game. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Is this a belief or not? <laughs> yeah. I think this is fascinating. And I think what's so interesting around this definition is you can see how it comes out of uh, histories of religion and religious toleration in uh, our country and kind of in liberal democracies more broadly, but also then how that gets taken further, as indeed it, it really should do, because there are a lot more than just religious beliefs that define people's life, which you don't want people to be discriminated for you don't want people to face difficulties in their life because they choose to be an ethical vegan and, you know, they find themselves under no fire or something like that because people think that it's a weird belief or something along those lines. You know, you want these people to be able to still partake in the marketplace and still be able to uh, be a part of society and not face huge discrimination. It's, that seems totally fair, but the definition becomes very difficult because philosophical belief can cover a lot of things, you know, from everything that we, that we've talked about today for belief in, climate change to ethical veganism to if you're a if you have a, a fundamental personal belief in democratic socialism and it drives all of your everyday thoughts and ideas and similarly if you believe in independence of scotland and even further i believe in public in service the BBC. Broadcasting. exactly yeah. i believe i believe <laughs> i believe in the bbc yeah i believe in the and, bbc uh, and, you know this is this is a fundamental part BBC. of my life <laughs> yes the bbc believes in me um yeah. I, you know you can I, I, you can see it you, you you can totally see how this this is a very difficult area to decide what does and doesn't fit under this category which is a broad category and i feel very sorry for, for judges having to decide what does and does not count and, and this is only the first start of all these claims as well. All we're doing here is working out, does the claim at the full into a protected category? We've not even spoken about whether they're actually protected in the specific situation exactly. uh, that they're, they're arguing uh, against. But, you know, if you are interested in that, um, but if you are interested in that, uh, the Equality and Human Rights Commission uh, website is a good place to start. It's quite interesting. Um, or just ask your local friendly law lecturer about equality law. Yeah, or when I've set it up, uh, you can send an email to us to the podcast and we can either send you some actual more information if we have any or we can say good idea we'd like to know more too and <laughs> and throw it back to you but nevertheless uh, this has been really good really interesting and i think it shows a lot about english law about how english law has to deal with difficult political and social 
Parts of not life. just English law. <laughs> not just English law. Uh, but, uh... Just to remind you, Scotland is, of course, part of the United Kingdom and not part of England. Uh, those are different <laughs> things. <laughs> and there are a couple of Scottish uh, cases here, aren't there? So uh, you are well, the, the Scottish Nationalist Party, famously a uh, party active in Scotland, <laughs> less active in Sunderland. <laughs> but on that, I think we're just about up to time. Uh, but nevertheless, thank you very much, David, for uh, looking at these cases. I know that I kind of... I spoke about let's have a look at a theme and then it's you know you and myself digging through several different cases but I think that they were great I think they were a lot of fun and I I think it gives a really good kind of signal about how our legal system has to deal with social and political and difficult questions which are thrown to it and it has to do the better it can with this kind of mess of human life and and beliefs absolutely right yeah fully fully agree yeah thank you Uh, and thank you listener yeah thank you very much and we'll see you next time 